This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Talking Dirty. Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, all stripey on this sunny autumnal morning, we have Alan Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist. Well, thank you very much for that. And over in Cambridgeshire, on this crisp morning, it is bright, sunny and very cheerful. We have Thordis Maria Sophia Fredrickson. How are you? You're very autumnal, your hair and your jumper. Are so coordinated. I'm coordinated with my dog. If she does reappear, we're all the same colours today. Uh, joining <laughs> us for a long overdue return visit to Talking Dirty, we have, and I'll consult my notes because I've got your middle names down. So we've got Rosie Jane Hardy, nearly Rosie Gretel Hardy, but you need to go and watch <laughs> the other podcast to find out why. And uh, Rob Keith Hardy of the wonderful Hardy's Cottage Garden Plants. How are you both? We're very good and it's a beautiful sunny morning here, lovely autumnal and I have to say we've got autumnal shades behind us yeah. with these beautiful oranges as well. So no, it's great. It's lovely to see you both. We've been following your exploits, particularly on your Instagram. You have been everywhere. What a busy year you've had. <laughs> yes, and we're supposed to only just be out of lockdown, aren't we? And we seem to have been going all over the place. Rob goes in one direction doing various shows and then I seem to go in another direction, either staying here and doing talks or going off various places to do talks as well. Yeah, and it all started off in April. As soon as the lockdown finished, we were out every weekend, basically, um, through the plant fairs along the South Coast, Board Hill, uh, Arundel and places like that. And people were just keen to get out. So we've just been following all the way through. I was desperate to come down for the Candied Festival of Flowers, but it was just a bit of a long way away. And um, I, I got to see your wonderful garden on YouTube. You did this fantastic sped up thing that showed yes. the creation of this fabulous garden. Yeah, it was wonderful to do because, um, as everyone knows, we've sort of we retired from doing the Chelsea Flower Show. Not from other shows, because as you can tell, we've been busy. Um, but we decided that we would put it up here at the nursery. And we had a slow um, time-lapse camera set up at the beginning of it. And then you, you just see it slowly coming together and eventually finished. And it was absolutely fantastic. It was really, really great fun to, to have that. And to also build it here, it was completely different because yeah. it meant that we could just take trolley loads of plants down when we wanted them for the areas that we were doing, rather than having lorry loads coming up and having to pick out of those bits. So it did make life a bit easier. And if the weather was a little bit inclement, which it was at that time in May, um, we were able to come back up into the tunnels and prep plant material and then take it down when we wanted it to go. And it was cold, it was damp, it was, you know, it wasn't the best spring out at all and I'm surprised we had any colour but it was brilliant by the time we got there and it was lovely to see people because you know Peter Seabrook bless him came all the way over for our you know from Colchester by himself drove himself over and he came just to see the garden and to see the display and you know it, it's lovely that people were making the effort 
to come that far. Um, you know, we didn't expect it. I think we had something like 40. 40 odd press. Press people yeah. at that opening. And it was what would have been 17th of May was Chelsea Press Day. And we had it there. And the brilliant thing about the garden was it was there for three weeks. Normally in the marquee, it's there for five. You know, so people were able to come and see it. They were donating money for our local hospice. We raised nearly, what was it? Nearly eight and a half thousand for our local children's hospice over the three weeks. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so it was it was great. And it also meant that people, if they came at the beginning of the, of the time and then came later on, you know, three weeks difference because we suddenly got all the warm weather, it changed. And people were, locals were coming back and putting a few more pennies in the tub again and going and having a wander around. Because if, if there were no book slots at that time when they were there, they were able to wander around and have a look. It was also quite nice. I didn't get to see it in person. I am now feeling a little bit bad when other people clearly trace mine. <laughs> I didn't make it from Cambridge. It's just that, you know, when you, when you consider that, yes, a lot of people were more local and they did come and it was lovely. And we had podcast people and we had Instagrammers and, and all that. So, and, you know, big writing people coming to it and it was lovely to see that and Adam Frost bless him came and opened it and and we we had all of that going on so it was really really lovely to be able to have that sort of feel of a Chelsea um press day um yeah. at our own at our own site you know and we also didn't have to go anywhere <laughs> out in the open it was really novel seeing this kind of, I mean you see it a little bit of something like the Sandringham Flower Show where you get sort of show gardens out in the open and but because yours was all on its own um just seeing it on the video it's this wonderful sort of oasis <laughs> <laughs> it was and it was a it was a it was a big display you know it was it was going to be our last display it was 160 square meters so that's that's as big as your gardens on Main Avenue, but with a walkthrough, able to walk around all of the sides of it. So everything is visible and it was all done in our normal style of right plant, right place. So shady areas and all that sort of stuff. And now it's it, it, it looks a little bit sad now, but not really because the structures are still there. The hedges are still there. The trees have lost their leaves because we've had some dry weather and now the heavy rains. So they've they've defoliated but the bones and the structure are there and all our wildflowers are starting to mingle and come through it so it does look really really lovely and I'm going to over sow some of the grass with a bit more um it'll get mown down winter a bit yes. later in the year just quickly pick out some of your favorite plants from that scheme because uh, I know you had a couple of new things in there there were there was the beautiful new Thalictrum Chantilly lace and that oh. is gorgeous it's really really lovely it's it's quite short in comparison to other philictrums so it's around about maximum of 60 centimeters so two feet in old money um lovely clump forming lilac big lilac flowers um on that shortish height and it's a woodlander because it's a cross with tuberosum so it was naturally coming into flower middle end of may and then flowered right the way through we still had flower on it in July at Hampton Court. So that's a really good length of the season for a semi-shady plant. Um, so that was beautiful. Uh, we had Peter Seabrook's um, glandularia. So you know what that is, don't you? That's verbena, changed its yeah. name. So glandularia. <laughs> um, and that was Margaret's memory. And that was on. So that was beautiful. And that's for a really good cause. So that's raising money and awareness for dementia. And then what else did we have that was looking really good? I mean, there were some beautiful things. Zizia, for instance. People don't know about that. That's a lovely yellow umble for a shady area. And it's perennial. 
Um, unlike other Alexanders, it's, it's a really lovely plant. So we were utilising that well to give just a little bit of ping colour and zinginess. And Veronica gentianoides tissantum white, which was discovered by my grandfather about 100 years ago in Tissington Village in Derbyshire. Uh, he worked as a um, servant at the Tissington Hall, but he saw this Veronica gentianoides, normally blue, pale blue, and this one was white with blue veining on it. And so my sister was told all about it from my grandfather. He kept moving it from house to house as he moved. And we named it in 1991 at uh, Bath Spring Show. And it's proved very, very popular plant over the years. What a great story. I love that. <laughs> There's a story with every plant when you start looking into it. Yeah, there really is. I love how personal that one is. Um, yeah. We shouldn't dwell too much on, on Chelsea. I mean, we, uh, we sat down to record a quick podcast and ended up spending an hour talking about our, our favourite plants uh, at Chelsea. <laughs> um, but we certainly missed you. I mean, Alan, it wasn't, it wasn't the same without being able to go and peruse the Hardy stand. No, it wasn't. And one of the things that I said to you um, when we first went into the big marquee the large marquee was gosh this is like coming to a party with half the people gone home yeah. <laughs> yes it, it, i'm afraid it really did feel a little bit like that because it was there were so many people missing you included of course um but you know i missed uh, well i miss rosie's touch on those on the color coding and the uh, <laughs> <laughs> i can't tell you i mean it's you know, you, it, it can be something, I don't mean this in any way disrespectfully, but you can be the kind of thing that we take for granted because you do it so well and you do it so well every time. But the moment you're not there, boy, do we miss it, really. Um, and it just wasn't the same. Mm. I did happen to think, I must say, I did happen to think that the plant of the year, and I know that you have something to do with that, Rosie, but I did happen to think to myself, thank goodness we've got a plant that has been named plant of the year that is a natural good plant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there I don't know been, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd agree with you there. there. There have been some shrub plants that have been chosen recently, which have really not been excellent plants. I would say the streptocarpus, when they've been chosen, they are very good and the odd yeah. herbaceous bits, but there are, there are there's, there's definitely a being a heavy side of people doing the judging who were always on the woody side. So the people who were actually sitting there in the forum and doing the actual judging, the majority of them were woody. So they're always going to go for a woody plant. Not always, but you know, that, that does some, but I have to say the Circus that was chosen was beautiful. It was a lovely plant. Yeah, so yeah, a real showstopper. When you walked past it, it stopped you in your tracks. It was stunning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did you have any other little bits and bobs that stood out for you at Chelsea that you really kind of came back and it was emblazoned on your mind? I loved the Aeoniums. Um, just yes. because they, I thought this, and there were a lot of them around, but I thought the one big stand there from um, the Cornwall. Surreal succulents, yeah. Yeah, surreal Theirs was absolutely beautiful. There were some yeah. lovely things. And I did think that their Semponians, that cross, is yes. going to be a real winner. Yeah. We had quite a talk with those, those guys. And I mean, they were really nice, really friendly. And um, one of them ended up giving me an Aeonium which I thought was really sweet. 
Um, but it rather forced me into a corner, so I had to spend £35 on the... Oh, the <laughs> <wrong time>. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> I haven't managed to succumb yet to the Sepanium. I did get some Aeoniums from them at Hampton Court, and they're now in a, in a, tro a lovely shallow bowl outside, and I suddenly realised that our thermometer went down to 3.2 the other evening, and I thought, right. whoops, I need to get them inside <laughs> quickly. <laughs> Does I was creep quite, up on you. <laughs> I was quite lucky though because he did pick me out the Semponium, which although quite small, I mean probably about three inches across, I suppose. But when you looked underneath it, there were three little babies coming on it. So it's oh. it's it's, oh. be, it's what they call a good doer. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You'll be you'll be great. Just put it up a little bit and off it goes, and you'll have yeah. loads more shortly. Always a good plant by the looks of the base of the plant. Well done. <laughs> the one I like was the Penn Stemmen stand done by J. Jams, Julia. Um, she got her first gold medal at Hampton Court, went straight up to Tatton Park, got her second gold medal and made it the hat-trick with the Chelsea one. And that was really difficult, the Chelsea one, because I know she was moving the, uh, in August. She had to move them all into Glasshouse trying to get them back into flower. She'd trim them back, but because there was very poor light levels through August, she was really struggling. Yeah. So she actually put them back into glass houses, trying to get them back into flower again. But she did a tremendous job and they worked so hard. So it's lovely to see that gold medal there. Yeah, the August weather must have been such a <laughs> hindrance. <laughs> I was, I was searching for a word that was a little bit more. We're not. We're on a podcast. I'll give you I can two. say what I like. I'll, but... give, I'll give you two words about the August where they're best forgotten. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, I definitely. think um, quite a lot of this year's weather is best forgotten. Absolutely. We had about, I think, about two weeks of really warm weather in September, didn't we? Um, yes. Maybe more. I don't know. Maybe more. But uh, it, it seemed very fleeting. I can remember saying this is the summer we should have had. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> then yeah. Thank goodness yeah. for the Indian summer. So it's been a bit of a funny growing year for lots of people we've spoken to. I don't know about you guys and how it might have impacted your show and tell that I know you've brought along. Um, well, no, we've managed, I mean, we've got about six things sitting on the table here to be able to show you. So that's probably being greedy, but um, <laughs> no. you know, it, I have to say, because it was so bright in the beginning of September, the um, day length sensitive plants have been a bit late. So the yeah. Michaelmas daisies, for instance, are only just coming and they've suddenly gone pink. Whereas normally they'd be ready and, and showing colour at the beginning of September and, and they weren't. They really waited until Michaelmas um, to come in. So things like that have been been late. But um, there is some lovely late season stuff. And that's what I love about this time of year, because I've got a collection of colchicums out in my um area at the back which I don't let people in there because it's a real mess um, <laughs> but the colchicums have come up and we did manage to strim it just before they were coming through and and they're looking fabulous at the moment and and then you get all sorts of other things that just suddenly pop up and you think oh gosh yes of course you're it's your time of year and, and it's great to see them just sort of coming up now and you get that lovely lot of low ground cover or even mid-height herbaceous stuff coming through and, uh, and then all the autumn colour coming as well. You're, you're talking to the right person to bring up colchicums. <laughs> yeah. Alan Gray. <laughs> yes. Well, we have a national collection of colchicums here and um, I have to say that they've been fabulous. But, you know, 
we have to have when we have a national collection you know what it's like both of you or three of you you know that you have to have one of everything whether you like them or whether you don't (laughs) (laughs) it's fine because you you compare like with like and my funny tale about culture comes is there were two eminent botanists both um on the trials committee for the rhs and they were leaning intently over this um, Colchicum. Sorry, my dogs are fighting in the back. <laughs> but, um, they were leaning over this Colchicum, and one turned to the other and said, "Well, I don't think it's the, what, what I don't think his name is correct." And the other one looked at him and he said, "Well, that's what you sold it to me as." <laughs> that story was only added to by dog playtime in the background. I think. <laughs> You've got to have that. You can't have dog playtime here because all the dogs at the nursery are all outside because we don't have one in the house. But all the people have plenty outside. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I feel like now you've tempted us by telling us you've got six things to show and tell. We need to clap eyes on uh, on these on our video version of the podcast. So what's up first? Right. Uh, Let's start with the hardy chrysanthemums. So they're up first. So we have... Two hardy chrysanthemums. Where's the? Where's that? There we go. It's always difficult to tell which way to juggle these things. So we have the beautiful. I'm going out the screen. Beautiful yellow chrysanthemum. Double pom pom. Really, really lovely. So it just shows you the differences. This one, bright orange, is Dixter's orange, and the flower is completely different. The one thing about Dixter orange, I've got it in the garden here, and I find that it flowers for an exceptionally long time. It does. It starts starts in July, doesn't it? It's the longest flowering. The yellow pom-pom has been out for probably a month or so and was out before Dixter, but it's just starting to go over. Um, And it's very much a a double pom-pom. And the Dixter orange is is great. And I've just started to get a few more different varieties. I mean, I love... um, the single pink ones, for instance, and we've got one or two other varieties. But they're a, they're a plant variety that I think is just forgotten about. You know, it, it, they may be an old, but they're brilliant for this time of the year. And if people want cut flower right the way through, probably till Christmas, then, you know, they'll, they'll come back again, even when they get frosted. So they're really, really great plants to have. I think... I think one of the great things about chrysanthemums is that, I mean, I learned this from Christopher Lloyd, and that is the fact that you can, in actual fact, dig them up, providing you've given them a thorough soaking. You can dig them up from a, a standing area in your veg patch or somewhere and replant them in the garden, providing you puddle them in and they preferably do it on a cloudy day. You can move them and they hardly look back. I thought you were going to give one of those to Rob to wear, actually. You reckon you should wear them? Maybe you should wear them. So Rosie's been very greedy. She's got a chrysanthemum tucked behind each ear and Rob has none. No, no. I do hope that you're going to find a way to tuck every single piece of show and tell into your hair. Oh, no, I, I will we'll see one. Yeah, okay. So now we're going to go on because it's daisy time of year, very much daisy yep. time of year. Um, this one is Helianthus oregalis. Don't pronounce it incorrectly because it sounds like an orgy. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> this is the this is the willow leafed Helianthus. So, um, but it's better than the straight willow leafed one because the foliage Solicifolius. is reasonable. Salicifolius, yeah. yeah. So Salicifolius gets really really tall and never flowers. 
whereas this one flowers reliably um, and it's beautiful yellow flowers on here and thin and I don't find it um, too difficult and it doesn't spread too much but it's a, it's a great one and I love the fact that it's got lovely thin foliage so it goes up really really tall something around about two meter two meter fifty uh, for the back of the border. This against Vernonia looks stunning. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. So it yes. would be right up here somewhere, up in the skyline, um, these beautiful yellow flowers. And it started flowering probably about, oh, three weeks ago. But, it, you know, I really am a champion for the taller plants because if you go to a garden centre, you won't find these tall plants available at all. So the Leucanthamellas and the Vernonias, the big Helianthus, they're not there. And then people go to these gardens and they see them in, in, you know, in Wisley and they see them in collection or NGS gardens and they want them and they can't find them. So that's where the smaller grower wins out because we grow them, we know what they do and people can then get their back of the border herbaceous stuff. So it's really great. So this is architectural and free flowering um, and straight salicifolia. I just, you know, it will flower. But it's usually in flower in November and gets frosted off, whereas this is flowering now much, much earlier. It's a really great plant. And if you go to Beth Chateau's, they've got it there in the in the dry garden and along the um, by the uh, water in the garden there in lovely clumps. And it looks great. And it doesn't need staking. It holds itself up. Wow. That's a great thing. That is one of the great things, I think, about tall plants. And that is that they they have to be um, fairly sturdy and hold themselves up. Um, I grow a helianthus called Miss Mellish. I don't know whether you know that one, but the one thing about her, I think she really is an origalis. I'll say it very carefully. Because <laughs> <laughs> she does words. spread. She, she puts herself about a bit, which is almost too much. And, um, you know, she's, uh, she's a beautiful thing, though. Slightly curved petals. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, mm. okay. There are a lot of really lovely Helianthus out there and there are some great ones. I mean, we do Sheila's Sunshine, which is about three metres tall. And quite I've got small. that, you're right. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah and it, it, but it's great against an evergreen hedge or something yes. like that. It's fantastic. Mine is next to a yew hedge. Yeah, and, it, and it shows I've got it growing off. next to a tree dahlia that flowers with purple flowers. And I mean, it just looks spectacular. It's, it's, it's I mean, yeah. I think... I think, Rosie, there's got to be a concentrated effort to educate gardeners to love yellow. <laughs> oh, God, absolutely. This is, this is my thing. Absolutely. I'm on a one-woman mission. Get as much yellow in there as possible because yeah. everyone wants blue, lilac, pink, maybe white. And then you, you look at it and it's a haze. You don't see the individuals. Stick a little bit of yellow in there and suddenly, pow, you see everything else around it. And Thank people you. just don't <laughs> understand this. You've got to use yellow, absolutely. Um, no, I, I love it, it's, it's great. And anyway, yellow shows up against my red hair. So yeah, and uh, I love, this is, this is possibly like the best way of encapsulating the vibe of this podcast, that gradually you're just getting more and more flowers into your hair. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there. It was nice how Alan just lit the torch paper for Rosie then. Because she's, every time we do a talk, that, she comes up with every time. I think he must have known that just to light the touch paper to get to it. Are you going to do yours or my favorite? Come on, no, 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 I'll, I'll do mine. <laughs>
I love it. So we've got Rob brandishing. I love that your plants were were quite kind of they fitted in frame. Rob is like, well, this won't because <laughs> this is this is a, one of my favourite plants ever, and it's called Lespedeza pumpergii. And Rosie describes it as a herbaceous shrub, but it's quite amazing. It comes from the ground. It won't show any growth until the middle of May, and from the middle of May to the middle of August, it will go six to eight feet long on its stem. And they come out really woody, they look like shrubs. And what will happen is each year, it will increase its number of stems. So we've got some of our show plants are now um, five, six years old. They've got 15, 20 stems on them. And they start flowering from mid August through to October. But as the weight of the flower comes on them, when they get start, they'll come up vertical. As they get heavier on the flower side, they will start to lean forward. So either you need a wall for them to hang over or hold them back up with the support about four or five feet. They are absolutely superb. It's a pea family. So it sets its own nitrogen and feeds itself once it's in the ground. But some sunshine, um, any reasonable soil, it's quite happy. My mother-in-law grew it up in North Yorkshire on an east facing wall. And it was um, a white painted cottage and it looked absolutely stunning. But amazing plant. But people get worried when I say, by the time the frost hits it in the autumn and takes the leaves off it, cut them halfway back, but cut it right back down to the ground in spring. Uh, but it won't show any growth till the middle of May, end of May. Um, what we said, <laughs> no, that's even worse. I've <laughs> now got Rob wearing a floral hat. <laughs> You look, you look, you look like a Roman emperor. <laughs> and, and well, no, that will never happen. No, definitely that won't happen, Alan, I promise you. There's only one leader in our household. <laughs> Logistics and dogs, buddy, I'll stick to that. Also worth knowing that this plant can be turned into a floral crown in like five seconds by roses. So yes. A great it asset. Die overnight, but that's how long my reign will last for. <laughs> About five minutes, if I'm lucky. You know, on these podcasts, we always encounter the unexpected, and we've just done that. Sitting there in a bejeweled crown. What I mean is the fact that Rob, you have just solved a problem for me. You don't know this, but I've got a support that was made by our local blacksmith, and it's a kind of outline of a sort of curvy vase shape, and it's yeah. about, I suppose, five feet tall. And it, he designed it so that you could plant a, a, a lax growing shrub in it and it Brilliant. would fall over the top. There you no, go. Ideal. Ideal. I, I can fill it now, can't I? You Brilliant. Can, absolutely. Yes. No, Lespedeza thumbergii is beautiful. And, and the biggest thing is people remembering that it doesn't reappear into growth until mid May. And they sort of think, oh gosh, you know, we've lost it, but they haven't. It is there. Uh, you know, it will be coming back through. But it's it's a fabulous thing, absolutely fabulous. Yeah, and it makes a really good. Yeah. <laughs> we used to get this one lady used to phone us. She'll phone us in March, phone us in April, and apologise in May. <laughs> <laughs> she was called Mrs. Lespedeza. <laughs> and she knows who she is. Yes, yeah, she does. <laughs> she does, Mrs. Lespedeza. She used to come around and if people didn't know and they'd say, say if we hadn't got uh, Rob or myself or my mum weren't on the stand at the halls in London, she'd she'd say, oh, just tell them Mrs. Lespedeza's been around and, and she'll pop round a bit later and we'd know exactly who it was. 
so you know people by their plant names not by who what their actual names so um yeah so we'll sort out right we'll we'll um go on to something else which is slightly it's off you can't see it otherwise <laughs> <laughs> right so this is another one of those plants oh, i'm gonna get it there. Okay. right got it in the got it in the shop um this is strobilanthes rachiensis and strobilanthes are brilliant i don't know whether you can see but the flowers are shaped like a tuber so that is not the tuber that goes in the ground. That is the tuber that you blow and make a, a sound out of. So <laughs> your brass, your brass instrument tuber. And they're really, really beautiful. And it's a plant that people don't think about. And then they suddenly see it. And I have to say, I was really, really pleased to see Strobilanthes for the first time at Chelsea this year. It was on the Nepalese garden, which is where it should have been as an understory plant underneath the rhododendrons and all of that sort of thing. They are fabulous for dry shade. They are brilliant little things. Now, Rachiensis is a, is a branch sort of sub, looks like a shrub, but it is herbaceous. It dies back down again. But it naturally, this time of year, so it's been out in flower for about three weeks and it will carry on right the way through till November, just putting on purple flowers at the end of its um, branches. And it's great. It's really, really good. You don't have to do very much to it. It doesn't spread around. Um, most people probably know of Strobilanthes attentuata atropurpurea, which gets much bigger and self-seeds a little bit. Nothing wrong with that, but the rachiensis is easier probably for the smaller garden. And I suddenly realised I've actually got a little collection of these, not all of them, but I've got a white flowered one, which is called Newtans, which if you plant it on the top of a wall or in a planter, hangs down. So it's a trailing form with pure white flowers. And then we've got a two-toned one, which is called Blue and White exactly what it says on the tin it's got blue and white flowers uh, that's a little bit more prostrate in its growth habit so for a dry shady spot they're really really easy and and late season and not a daisy i mean not nothing against the daisies but you need other shapes to make the daisies stand out if you have daisies all against each other you've just got different colored daisies but if you have some spikes of grasses or you have something like this, which is a different shape, then, you know, it breaks up the daisy shapes around in the garden. That, you know, Rosie, classic. when you held up the strobilanthes, it, it actually got next to the flower, the, uh, the tuber got next to the <laughs> helianthus in your hair, and they were just a wonderful contrast together. <laughs> yeah, that, that they, yeah they the are. Yellow. The thing is, though, this one wouldn't be as high up against no. the helianthus, but, you know, per, as I say, I think one of the best planting of the Helianthus and the Vernonias together, that, that yeah. purple and yellow colour at this time of the year, they both sh shine off each other and it does really, really well. Attentuata would probably do well against because that will that will go up and that will scramble its way up through um, shrubs a bit. And yeah. then you know, we get these little purple flowers pop popping out amongst the shrub, which is great. And it's really an easy way. So it, it's one of those plants I would say is an understory plant that, people forget about um, and then it works really really well because it comes up and, and, and you suddenly see oh gosh I've forgotten I got that um, and that that's great so that that's good so the last one I brought got here is this little white one and this is one of the many late season uh, saxifrages the fortunii types and this one has got is literally just coming into flower it's got lovely leaves which um are three 
they're almost shaped like a dinosaur's foot. <laughs> um, they're, 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 they're three toes um, on there, and that just makes a, a ev semi-evergreen mound. Uh, when it gets really hard frost, it will die away. Um, and then the flowers come out now, and they're this, they're, they're always got longer petals or tepals at the bottom and short ones at the top, so it looks like a face. Um, and they're just coming up and they're on branches and they will go up and up and up and up and they will get to probably um, 30 centimetres high and just be covered in these white flowers. And that's going to happen now, right the way through till about November time. Absolutely fantastic, the beautiful saxifrage. So this one is Shirinami. Um, so it's S-H-I-R-A-N-A-M-I. -A -A and I hope probably haven't pronounced that correctly because... Japanese name um, but it is it is great it's really really good so it's a lovely lovely thing and they're clump forming the saxifrage fortunii's come in a range and they're really brilliant for this time of the year they're tiny little clump formers they don't get very big height wise they don't get big sideways but they're great for now and they go sun part shade shade they prefer a dampish soil um, but they're really, really, really good. And again, they're another one of those plants which people forget about and they just don't don't think that they've, um, you know, they remember it and they sort out. So there we go. Oh. I haven't quite got all the show and tell in here. Yeah, I'm we glad. Have. I was disappointed that that one hadn't made it in. <laughs> yeah, it has now. Probably not visible, but there we go. It's, it's all in there now. We're sorted out. So there we go. It's doing a little bit of a Teletubby spike on top of your head, if I'm honest. Is it? Oh, okay, there you go. I can do a little bit of a twirl. I think there should be a new rule that every guest has to put their show and tell in their hair. <laughs> Might put a few people off, though. Oh, well, there you go. I'm sure some will be absolutely fine with it. We'll have to end with Robert with his um, crown back on again. It's died. It hasn't died. <laughs> I mean, Alan, what a lot of plant inspiration. I, I think we're going to see a lot of those at East Ruston. Well, I just think that, that well, you, you can see quite a few of them at East Ruston already, I have to say, um, because <laughs> I, 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 like Rosie, I'm always championing, championing the garden later on because people seem to forget that, you know, um, they, they arrive in a garden here, for instance, visitors this weekend. How have you got so much colour? Our garden is finished. Well, it needn't be. It's just that you plant the wrong things. You know, you don't... <laughs> well, it's not the wrong things necessarily, but you know what I mean. Um, they, they don't sort of continue the season. And, you know, there's such a lot of uh, people miss at this time of the year. Um, and especially the chrysanthemums. I have to say another lovely chrysanthemum. We had a plant fair um, here in the garden on September the 11th. Um, and it was a wash with plants that, well, I'll put it this way. I mean, as if I haven't got enough plants, I can't even wear them. <laughs> yeah. big you know, because there's always something, if you're a true plantsman, there's always something you see that you must have. And I came away with a, another chrysanthemum. It's a variety that grows very much like Dixter, but it's in the softest parchment pinky beige colour. And it's called Esther. Again, it's, it's very much like Dixter in that it starts flowering very early and just carries on. And it's, it's, it's an absolutely wonderful thing. And I wonder how long it's going to be before these gurus called plant breeders get some of the genes from Dixter Orange and Esther into some other colours so that we have a greater range. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they will, because, I mean, there are quite a few different ones out there. I've just got hold of um, Mrs. Cooper number one, 
which is another lovely dark orange one, but it's got a yeah. yellow eye, so it's your true daisy. So it's pretty double, yeah. but with a lovely orange, a yellow center, which I think is a great contrast. Mrs. Jessie Cooper, number two, if I remember, is kind of carmine, isn't she? Yeah, something like that, yes. And I'm not sure if I haven't picked up a couple of those as well. So uh, I've got one or two that are different. I have got, I did get one last year, which was beautiful in flowers for a really long time. And it's a single and it's a creamy yellow, more cream than um, buff cream. And I planted it out in the, what was supposed to be my good looking border this year and unfortunately the nettles took over because I didn't have time to get out there and do anything in there and I haven't seen it come up but I'm I'm going to go for a, a, a nettle bashing session shortly and, and see what has actually done because I have to say the Michaelmas come through it no problem at all they they don't care what they grow with they just keep on going um, exactly. so I think sometimes it's good to put in plants that are, are really good but on your point of people forgetting that there is still a lot of plant material there and they forget to go out in the gardens i think a lot of it stems from the fact that you know people who are gardening probably have children as well so therefore as soon as children go back to school they they sort of forget that they because they're trying to organize that they forget to do the garden um and this is when people also make the the fatal mistake i think sometimes of getting rid of their weekly or bi-weekly help in the garden because this is when a lot of the work is done. The work to get the garden prepared for the next season is started in these winter months. Um, and, and I think that's something that you know, really people need to think about that um, you know, you've got to get it. It doesn't just miraculously happen by itself. And, and if you just start in the spring, you are playing catch up all the time. Yeah. yeah. The, the nice thing as well, uh, going back last weekend, we did the Malvern show which had increased from two to three days. And they had something like 52,000 through over the three days. There is a, a bigger demand now. There's lots more people looking for autumn colour. They were really keen and looking around. And even if we'd sold out and we got it on display, they were taking notes of it or taking photographs of it, ready to get hold of it, ready for next year. So there is a big, uh, I think a big move to extending the season. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm very pleased to hear that because, um, and I think maybe that was caused by lockdown and not being able to go yeah. out. Yeah. Well, and I get getting a lot of joy from my helianthus. I think that's the other lovely thing. People might kind of associate the, the nights are pulling in and it's dark and it's dank and it's wet. They forget how many glorious autumn days there are that you can actually be out getting joy from your plants in your garden. And I suppose being at home and seeing it, maybe more people have realised that it's a season that they can really embrace and enjoy. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the, and enjoy the colours that are there. You know, the, the palette changes through the seasons and, and, and there's a reason for that. You know, the light levels will only go so far. But if you get the right colours, then, you know, you, you can go out and certain things glow in that evening light. They really do. And they look fantastic. Yeah. Well, we could probably talk about how fantastic things look in autumn for a long time. So <laughs> we can't keep you forever. So we better squeeze some FLOMO in before we have to uh, wind things up. Oh, the crown's coming back. Rob the crown's come back on. crown back. It might last another five minutes now. I feel like none of my plants can go on my head. It's a shame. I feel like I'm missing out. Um, 
Flomo then, if you've never listened to one of our podcasts before, uh, it's basically a, a plant, flower or plant that gives you fear of missing out. I have it all the time. Um, just looking at gardens I walk past, looking in magazines, on Instagram, wherever. Alan's plant fair was dreadful for it. <laughs> the wish list got so long. But um, I've been on holiday recently um, around Derbyshire. And went to Chatsworth and went to Lime Park, a.k.a. Pemberley from that wonderful old BBC adaptation. And um, and that there were loads of things that I wanted, but I kept seeing Rhodochyton or Rhodochyton atrosanguineus. And um, I've never grown it and I don't know why. And I probably shouldn't have brought it up because Alan's going to probably say something naughty about it. <laughs> In, in, the, in, the, in the interest of political correctness, my mouth is closed. <laughs> it does have a slightly interesting flower shape, but it is lovely. And at Chatsworth, they had it intermingling with some lovely Thunbergias, kind of um, African sunset, that lovely peachy one, and Chilean glory vines and things. Anyway, I just thought, why have I not grown this before? So it's on the wish list for next year. And I know that loads of people grow it. It's hardly like it's unusual. It's just for some reason I haven't grown it before, but... Uh, and I'm sure a good talking point if people come round for dinner and see those curious little flowers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. We'll draw a line under that. Uh, Rosie and Rob, what would you like to bring to the Flomo party? You, just you, I've got no idea. You're the fun one. Oh, I know, yeah. I mean, I, I think actually going back to the plant of the year, and it's the one thing I don't know why I haven't got in this garden, and that is a surcis, because we used to used to have them as display plants for the gun and I, I love the shape and form and I you know when I was out in Greece um, sort of three springs ago they were just in flower everywhere and different colours and shapes and, and that sort of thing and I was sort of thinking why haven't I got it in the garden and I don't know why so yes I think it would be that definitely because I think there's more um, shrubs and trees that are on my list of why haven't I grown them than there are herbaceous because obviously we've tried most herbaceous we've, we've grown stuff and then we don't grow it again so yeah def definitely circus I think um you know I, I need to need to think about that maybe invest in one but maybe container grow it so I need one of the smaller ones actually that's inspiring for me because I've wanted to grow one but I've never been sure whether it'd like my soil so maybe I could containerize one as well so yeah yeah just get one of the get one of the new the newer ones which aren't so big and you keep them in a container and that that works really well because I know perfectly well on our chalk here sometimes things will or won't and, and it's because something like a circus is is quite an expensive um, plant to to get a, a reasonable you know one to start you off with anyway um you've got to not kill it in the first year it's <laughs> <laughs> always the hope it doesn't always happen but that is always the hope uh alan where's your flomo well i'm talking of circus actually i remember um going to beth chateau's garden uh, many years ago and in her scree garden there she had um a, a circus which she had actually crown lifted so you've got these wonderful sort of gnarled looking trunks going up and then the, the flower on the top. And this is obviously to let more light into the scree underneath. And I just thought that was a lovely thing to do. And it is a lovely thing to do with certain shrubs. And I think Circus is one of them. Um, my Flomo is going to have to come from this, this uh, podcast. I mean, with, with Rob and Ro Rosie here, um, I mean, the choice is endless. But I'm planting um, and 
very interested in what I'm putting in my little shady area. So Chantilly Lace, the Liptrum Chantilly Lace <laughs> is going to have to go on my must-have list. Not only does it flower for a long time, I like the fact that it had lilac flowers. I like the fact that it has big flowers because lots of the Liptrum, um, it, I mean, I'm going back to the one that my granny grew when I was a child. She grew it specifically for the foliage. Um, the flowers, it, the flowers are just like little green bunches of little green stamens, but she grew it for the foliage. Um, to mix with things like sweet peas and roses and all the rest of it. Um, but the Lictrum Chantilly Lace is going to be my Flomo. Um, 60 centimetres, large, lilac blue flowers, semi-shade. What is not to <laughs> like? <laughs> it'll be ready for you next spring <laughs> I also love as a full circle moment because I remember you mentioning Chantilly Lace last time because yeah. we brought up frilly knickers and then we just got yes. this potentially slightly unwise sexy border of <laughs> Of things. Well, there you go. You're, you've got to have something there. You've got to have, you know, spark of. Uh, there certainly is a spark because for Billy Nickers, we go to an orgiastic Helianthus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could even include the road of chitin, to be honest, but. Uh... <laughs> In all its parts. Yes. <laughs> oh dear I mean I really my face hurts I've laughed so much over the last hour and uh, and my eyes do keep watering because I've clearly scrunched them up from all the smiling uh, it's been such a wonderful treat uh, Rosie and Rob thank you so much for coming back if you come back again will you please also put flowers in your hair because this is the expectation now <laughs> <laughs> as long as the flowers fit we're fine there you go. as long as we've got some hair left as well We'll get in a headstand and then we can put them in that. Are things, finally, uh, are things finally easing up for you guys? You've been so frantically busy. Are you finally going to get a bit of time to actually work on your own plot? Um, the, the, our own pot probably will just go to sleep and then we'll think about what we're going to do with it. The gravel garden is, is, is an easy fix. You know, that, that, that I can keep under control. The back garden, I had a bright idea last this spring and it didn't work so i'm gonna to have to go back to the drawing board with that um i think i'm happier with it the unfortunate thing is that we suddenly had a load of orchids pop up in the grass this year and so we we didn't cut and we just haven't got back on top of getting that wild grass effect under control so that's the next thing we've got to do is probably have a little bit of a trimming up of the, of the grass and then um, we'll sort out for next year what we're going to do with it all. And Quite Rosie's nice. got one or two more talks to do, gardening club talks, <laughs> and I've got one more, hopefully, Chiswick Flower Market, and we're back there beginning of November. That'll be it then till uh, March. Oh, wonderful. Nice problem to have some orchids turning up. That's... Yeah, no, I was very pleased. It just <laughs> meant that, I, you know, he was banned from... I was threatened. <laughs> Cutting it. I thought, no, let them seed around, let them be happy. <laughs> <laughs> here, here. Power to the orchids. Oh, well, good luck with your talks, with your flower show. Thank you show, very much. And uh, we will hopefully catch up soon. Thank you so much. Happy gardening. Lovely to see you all. Bye-bye. <laughs> hey, Thordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, 
We don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening, and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.